everybody, and welcome to the Industrial Sourcing Podcast. My name is Anne-Sophie Lebloas, and I'm the founder and CEO of Ravacan, an online software for industrial buyers. We've just been featured in Forbes, so if you want to learn more about us, just check us out on Forbes. Today, we are changing continent and industry. So let's go to Hong Kong and hear the story of Sophie Bad. She's the Strategic Sourcing and Vendor Management Director at Asbro. As you know, Asbro is the leader in toys and board games. They make G.I. Joe, Power Rangers, Monopoly, and so many more. Sophie is going to tell us what vendor management is and what makes Asbro Purchasing Organization so unique. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. That's a great yeah. opportunity to share uh, experience and to stay in touch as well. Yes. That's great. Yes. How are you? How, how is it in, uh, in Hong Kong right now? It's, that's good. We are fairly safe. Like, uh, we are less worried than we were like a few months ago. Mm -hmm. uh, life is good. We can't complain. I mean, we have uh, mountains. We can hike. We can swim. We have good food. Can't complain yeah. about anything. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super excited to have you today on the, on the show because uh, you have quite an exceptional Uh, career so far and so um so i'm interested in understanding how you ended up here so what's uh what's your background so in terms of background i've started my career actually in the wine and spirit industry in france which is completely different from what i'm doing now um, i was a business development manager for europe and middle east markets actually i was distributing wine and spirits all over Europe. And we, I did also some confectionery and chocolates. Like, uh, it was quite fun. I have to say it was fun. But after 10 years, I got really bored of it, I have to, uh, to say. So I took a break. That led me back to school, actually, that break. Uh, and my objective uh, with that break was also to plan a move to Asia, which I kind of succeeded in that. Uh, and I landed in, uh, in Hong Kong in, in 2009. And uh, since then, I've been mostly focused on vendor management, actually, and strategic sourcing. And I've worked for very different companies, like uh, big retailers in general, but like for Tesco, uh, Carrefour, Gap, uh, Sears Kmart, and uh, now Hasbro. So I started mostly in like uh, textile, and uh, I moved to toys, and toys is, uh, I think it's the best move. It's yeah. really good fun, and I, I, I love it. I should have done that earlier, <laughs> definitely. And I really recommend this industry. It's great fun. Oh, so when did you start it? With, uh, when did you start with Hasbro? With Hasbro? Yeah. Um, 2018. So it's like now two years ago, two years and a half ago. Okay. And Hasbro actually has like uh, some of the biggest brands you have in toys and games like Monopoly, Play-Doh. Uh, they have like uh, My Little Pony, Nerf. And it's like, I, I would have never thought that it, was, it could be so, so much fun actually. Like it's great, and it it changes the relationship you have also with your colleagues because you, you can't argue over a fashion doll, or I mean you can have an argument, but you can't like scream at each other over a play-doh or a game, or so it's yeah. it's great. Very happy. Yeah, you're working on vendor management. What is it exactly? Vendor management. So if I take the like corporate definition, it's like uh, we we make sure that we have a strategic vendor base. And that we deal with it, we, we take care of like uh, the relationship, but we make sure that this vendor base meets the business needs. Make sure that we have the right vendors for the right uh, products we want to develop. Then the team, like we, um, 
we look at vendor performance, making sure that vendors like deliver to our expectation in terms of quality, service level, product development, um, and our values as well. It's super important that we are aligned in terms of value. Um, because, I mean, we are working around on toys and we want to deliver like safety uh, and qualitative, safe toys and qualitative toys. So it's important to have also this kind of uh, value um, with the with the vendors. And the, the, the team actually is accountable for business relationship management, cost savings. We are not the costing team. We are not doing the, if you want, the, the pure costing analysis, but we have to make sure that the vendors we are in charge of are delivering uh, savings and value engineering and that they perform, of course. So how often do you conduct those um, performance reviews, so to speak? So with the vendors, so we have like, it depends on the vendors. We have very mature vendors in China and less mature vendors in, in based in, in Vietnam and India. So for those vendors, like they are a bit less experimented like less experienced in our ways of working. And that's part of the job, making sure that they understand our expectations, that they understand our standards. We have these reviews like on a monthly basis. It's really like thorough. And we have actually put in place even more uh, uh, frequent reviews around like the, the performance to make sure that we train them uh, that they understand how they can achieve the, the right level of performance. So that's, I would say, the kind of corporate definition. But the way I see it as well, and that's how I sell it, if you want, to, to my team, is that you are the, the ambassador of the vendor. You are the PR for, for the vendor because you want your vendor to uh, be allocated the right level of business. You want to make sure they are sustainable. But the uh, the other way is that you have to sell the vendors in internally, like uh, making sure that the marketing team or the design team, the finance team, they look at things also from vendor perspective that they understand their challenges, making sure that they they um, yeah they they get there actually. It's so hard to do that actually. I'm, uh, uh, it's so great that uh, you have this philosophy and that you are pushing. Uh, this view of things internally because it's quite rare. It, I think it's important because I, I can see that a lot of, of the, 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 the the supporting functions sometimes are super frustrated with the vendors. Like I, I can hear very very regularly, like, oh, why do they, they don't do that? They don't do this. Why they don't understand? I have explained it. And I, sometimes you just give a bit of background, like, uh, well, this is the way they work. This is the customers they work with. This is how they see us. And that's that led me actually this year, and I'm super proud of that, to uh, have launched um, the Hasbro Partner Survey, where like we asked feedback to the vendors on our ways of working. And that's awesome because it's leading to improvement internally. And it also gives um, cross-functionally people, the it gives them the opportunity to look at vendors in a different way. Oh, okay. That's how they see us. So it's like it's for me. That's that's what that's what I mean by being the ambassador of the vendors as well. Like making sure people internally understand how um, vendor perceives us and how what are the challenges they have in working with us. It's not only about performance. Yeah, yeah, and I assume that these good relationships and the fact that uh, you're listening to your suppliers at the end of the day is making is making you one of their preferred customers, right? And uh, in times of difficulty that you might have priority over others. Definitely. 
definitely you got it. It's spot on what you said, because that's exactly what we want. You want to be their preferred customer. You want to be prioritized. You want to be uh, called when they have an innovation to share, like when they discover something new or different ways of working on their lines or on, their, on the material. You want to be the first one they call for that and say like, hey, I've got that. Like, uh, let's have a try or let's come have a look. Of course, you spot on. You want to be yeah. the, 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 the favorite. That's awesome. And so you're talking about survey. You're talking about all those KPIs that you're tracking. Uh, how much work is it actually? Uh, have you found tools to make sure that the reporting is easy to do? Or so internally, we have a team um, who's like in charge of managing our different system, and all the data is coming through that. And we have a dedicated area for us where we just kind of just click and have all the reporting for, for all the functions. Okay. And it's that's that's really great because that's not something you find in all companies. Like uh, a lot of the time, it's very difficult to get access to the KPIs across functions, uh, either because people protect the information or because the systems are not up to date. Like, uh, so it's difficult to compile and consolidate. And with Hasbro, it's like, uh, it's brilliant for that. Like, uh, it took some time, but uh, uh, there was really a willingness to make things transparent and making sure we are tracking the right thing. And we have changed actually in two years, like when I say tracking the right things, in the last two years, we have changed some of the targets, some of the KPIs to make sure we are in tune with also what needs to be tracked, like what's important to look at. Yeah, to look at the data strategically. And that gives me a, exactly. a good transition as well to how you structure your teams. Like, uh, are you divided by commodity as well or type of products or by projects? So the strategic sourcing department is divided in different functions. You have in indirect procurement, you have costing, you have uh, the commodity team. Uh, you have also the on-the-ground uh, country manager and you have the vendor management team. And we work together uh, to make sure that we are aligned on like the costing, the objectives, and the allocations. But my team, in my team, we have we have uh, we are like four global sourcing managers. So I have uh, two people based in uh, in Hong Kong, one in China, and I have a, a fifth person who's in charge of uh, more the. I wouldn't say the admin side because it would be like uh, reducing our, our scope but uh, in charge of all the onboarding part the uh, like making sure that the we look we do our due diligence when we onboard a new vendor a new factory making sure that legal finance costing uh, everybody is involved and looking through the the different lenses to make sure we are onboarding the right companies okay and she's also in charge of like supporting the vendors when um when they have issues with systems, like so, she's super important also in the in the relationship. Okay, and the the rest is divided by territory or by region. No, actually, like so, they are divided. So they 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 manage a portfolio of vendors, but it's uh, also crossed with uh, categories. So they look at they have a like for for example a portfolio of vendor that could be split. Mm -hmm. um, And, but they look at, at it from a category perspective, like we have different category of items. So yeah, I have one of the vendor manager. She's in charge of um, action brands, the category sourcing strategy for action brands, but she's going to look at a portfolio of vendors 
we could be doing items for other categories, but she, uh, these vendors are mostly focused on this type of item. So it's okay. really like a, like both product and vendors. The priority is, uh, is vendor. And so you, as you said, you work and in hand with the uh, the other departments to share the data. And uh, so the, the commodity strategy or the product strategy is shared as well on the other side or um, because you talk about transparency in the, in the group, in the team. So um, the other teams, they have access to the performance of uh, the vendors. And do you have access yeah. to the strategy, how they define the strategy? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like uh, we work together, for example, um, one of the key projects we, ha we have, like beyond expanding our, our sourcing in new countries, is also to make sure that we, we build the supply chain there. So we have to localize everything that goes with that. And of course, we work together on the needs and to support the vendors, actually. So super, super interesting. And so if I'm not mistaken, you're the one who created this function or this department. Uh, at Hasbro, right? Not, not, not really. in Hasbro. In Hasbro, I, I've been given the opportunity to take over and uh, after a year and a half. And uh, I brought on like maybe some uh, different ways of working or looking at things, but it was the intention was there already like uh, when I joined Hasbro. And uh, it's great, actually. I'm, I'm very happy I had the opportunity to take over actually the, the department, the team. It's a great team. Like uh, I'm very, uh, very Um, how do you say? Happy. I'm, I'm coordinating this team and leading this team. Love them. Yeah. It's, it's, in Tesco. We can feel in that. In Tesco, I had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm super, I'm super passionate. Uh, um, I think I've, I've rarely felt that um, connection with the company and with a, uh, with a uh, different uh, teams as well. It's like we, we are all looking in the same direction. Of course, we have challenges and arguments on things, but. We try to communicate and partner as much as possible. And that's the objective is that the vendors also feel that. And we try to, to, to have one voice, make sure they are clear on the strategy, make sure they are clear on what we are expecting from. But uh, when I was in Tesco, actually, yes, I, I started the, all the tools and processes. Um, it was much more challenging because it was new. It was not the philosophy of the, of the company. And it was like I met lots of uh, resistance because the vendor's allocation, vendor um, business was owned by a, a small group of people who were like very protective of it. So when I came in and, and explained like, well, we need to have KPIs to make sure that um, the biggest vendors are delivering on time, are ethical. And it was something which was difficult. There was a new message and a new approach, which was difficult to put, uh, to, to set up actually. But, um, That was a good learning. I enjoyed it. Good learning. I learned a lot through, yeah, through, through change and resistance, like change management. That was a, a very, very good learning. How long did it take from, from, you know, getting the go of the management to having everything in place? It, it took like, uh, it depends purely the tools. It took like maybe uh, one year to align on the KPIs, to uh, have the support from uh, IT. It took probably one year, but to have this really ingrained in people's ways of working, it took like much more than that. It's, it was a constant like reminder, like uh, let's look at it and let's have, a, let's have a meeting with the vendor based on the KPIs and uh, let's stop working with this vendor. They are not delivering anymore. That, that was like repeat and repeat. And that was good. 
I'm wondering, there is a lot of prejudice about sometimes suppliers, their performance, and when you bring KPIs, then you can't, you know, you have to look at the truth. Um, did you have like discrepancies um, between uh, how a vendor was considered and the reality of, of uh, their performance? In Tesco, yes. Yes, like uh, and in some other companies as well. But I, I remember. I'm. I don't want to point fingers at Tesco. It's not the point. But at the time, yes, we saw like uh, big gaps between how much was allocated and what was the real performance of the vendors. And that's that's why it created tensions. Actually, like uh, mm. people were like they had to change their mindset and they had to change their ways of working. But yeah. you see also discrepancies in like uh, even if you show the KPIs to some vendors. They want you to be transparent. They want to discuss performance, but sometimes they don't recognize it. Like, no, no, it's not true. No, no, I've delivered on time. <laughs> but the numbers are here. <laughs> I mean, like, and that's that's how you start really like the the discussion on how can we change that, how can we improve, and that's that's where it gets interesting or yeah. challenging as well. But that's where it's uh, it's interesting to to come back to the facts and the data and start from. Yeah, I, I agree. And at the end of the day. Uh, what uh, both companies want is to do business, right? And uh, to make decisions driven by data and uh, and to know the truth is a good starting point for improving. So. Mm. There is data and there is also mindset. Like mm -hmm. if you have a vendor who's not sharing your values or who's not willing to uh, to understand your ways of working, it doesn't work. Even if they are like performing well, if they are like not understanding where you want to go, it's, it can't work. Yeah. In general, it's, it's when they don't perform. Like you can see that there is a lack of willingness to improve or it's really a mindset thing. Well, it's um, values and depends on their leaders. I guess the relationships you are building with your suppliers are also a result of the overall values of the company. Um, do you think that it's difficult for some companies to to actually have a constructive relationships and like vendor management uh, department within their company because the values themselves are in the way, like the way they perceive their supply chain is uh, not the best and it's difficult to uh, to change the purchasing department because the, of the overall values of the company? Mm, probably. Like, I mean, if you don't see your vendors as an, as an asset, like your team is an asset, your I mean, internal, your employees are a big assets, but your vendors are also an asset. You, you cannot be successful without them. I mean, if you treat them crap, they're not going to put passion into your product. Mm -hmm. or they're not going to be careful about like the quality or they... Uh, they're gonna prioritize somebody else. Yeah. Like so, if you're if if they are not aligned with your values, it can't work. I d I don't think it can work. It's very personal uh, value, but if you don't go through like uh, this partnership partnership approach and a little bit of trust and transparency, like it, it can't work. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Like yeah, if you spend your time you know, really like uh, squeezing or pressurizing or like uh, not not I mean having like a good communication with your vendors, I don't think you can be successful. At some point, it's, it's, it's visible. It's going to fall out at some point, I, don't, I, I think. Yeah, there, there are some companies that are still led by, you know, the finance team and they don't realize the importance of suppliers. And, you know, even in my work, I keep on saying, you know, manufacturers, they spend 70% of their revenues with suppliers. So it blows my mind that you don't put suppliers at the core of your business. But mm, um, yeah. A lot of companies they 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 don't see 
yet, by the way. And they are slowly changing. But um, um, yeah, I think it's. But it, when you say when you say like uh, they are still driven by finance, like a lot of people talk about win-win and like, uh, and I talk a lot about partnership. Sometimes we come and we we have to deliver bad news or we have to ask for more, or, but we try to do it in a transparent way and try to understand also what's what are the challenges on the vendor side to make sure that we take the right decision or that we compromise in the right way as well. Like, like we are, we are trying to have like uh, a positive approach, but we are also driven by, by results. We have to deliver results. And it's, it's not only financial, again, it's about also safety and quality and making sure that what we deliver is a, is a safe product. I'd like to, to understand if, uh, because you have an international background and, um, if you have um, noticed some cultural differences uh, in purchasing uh, uh, in Europe versus in, in, uh, in China or in Asia, you've worked for companies that are multinational. Do you, do you recognize some differences, cultural differences, or what have you learned? Um, yeah, of course, you have different, I mean, you have always the cultural differences, but I'm trying to see it more in the like, uh, I always say we, we, we all speak English, but we all speak a different English because we have different, uh, of course, culture, different n native language. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you have to make sure that people understand what you are trying to say because you might understand, you might see the same word or use, we all use the same word, but it might mean something a bit different from one nationality or culture to the, uh, to the other. Um, so... Yeah, asking. I mean, I I tried to go through that by asking questions, making sure people understand, and listening, and listen. I mean, it's like yeah, you have to take that into consideration. But it's not always like uh, I mean, we collaborate, and if you always put it back to culture, I don't think it's it's the right lens either. It's just keep in mind we just speak a different English. We have a different grammar from one from one language to the other, and it's I think it changes the way we speak English. But in the end, we um. If you ask questions and and check your the understanding, I think it's not a problem. Yeah. I noticed when I was uh, working in Germany that a concept doesn't mean the same in in French than it does in, in Germany. And so, if you invite people to talk about a concept, then the Germans are going to come up with a big, you know, study that they've done and they worked a lot of on it. And and then the French sometimes say, "Oh, but it was not the brainstorming." No, no. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> so I'm yeah, no, but that's exactly what I, I mean. That's exactly that. Like uh, yeah. we use the same word, but we don't put the same thing into it. Like uh, we yeah. don't have the same understanding of the of the word. That's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. And uh, is your your own team, the team you manage, uh, multicultural? And uh, are you trying to uh, to recruit right now some uh, team members? So multicultural, yes, because we have, um, I have people from Hong Kong, from China and from India mm -hmm. and me on top of that, so the French, my boss is uh, Dutch. Uh, we have uh, US teammates as well. Uh, so yeah, it's a multicultural team, definitely. Uh, and people from, yeah, people from Hong Kong, people from uh, Singapore as well. Uh, you know, it's multicultural team. Um, do we recruit? Yes, I'm looking for like for 2021 probably. Um, yeah, I'm looking for someone to take over uh, some of the vendors because our our objective is to grow with vendors. Is not to have like a, 
a big range of small vendors, but like to really spend our time with uh, less vendors, bigger vendors and more efficient vendors who really, uh, again, understand our value, are aligned with us. So it will take like uh, I can it will take more time also to we uh, at some point I'm going to have to split these portfolios of vendors uh, across my team to make sure they are focused on the right vendors. And uh, what do you look for a candidate? I think the first thing is like uh, someone who's a bit passionate. And when I say a bit, like it's an understatement, like someone who's passionate and at least curious. Like uh, I'm not um, asking someone to be uh, an expert in sourcing, but someone who has an understanding of like what's supply chain and manufacturing. And you don't have to know in details what how to make a toy or how to, um, to to understand the inside out of tooling, but at least be curious and be like interested in learning and, and discovering. It's better, of course, if you have a, um, an understanding of how it works in terms of supply chain and what's a factory and how to deal with a factory. Of course, it makes it easier. But for me, it's really about passion and being curious, asking questions because vendor managers like the 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 sourcing managers we are really like a focus point like uh, we are linking all the, the the functions and we are coordinating between functions and when there are any issues we are here to support the teams to go through the root cause analysis and finding solutions with them not finding solutions for them but with them and supporting them into that so you have to to be interested in in the others as well. like what they what they why they do the, the way they do it and how we can do it differently and same with the vendors but um, yeah you don't have to be a you ha you don't have to be an expert it's like more about problem solving and listening okay and uh you were talking about growth and uh i would assume that your business is going well because people are staying at home and trying to uh, find some hobbies and occupation is that uh, the case or How how does uh, COVID is it impacted? You mean in the ways of working or like uh, well in the US everybody is working from home. Um, in Hong Kong and China uh, we've been working from home um, and now we are back to the office. Um, I think we've been working more actually like it has expanded the 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 time yeah. you spend behind your laptop. But um, so I'm trying to actually tell my team like uh, slow down, take time for yourself, and I mean take a step back sometimes it can sometimes it can wait like a one more day it's not the end of the world it's not going to change anything mm -hmm. you just step a, and spend time with your families yeah, nobody can go on holidays but still spend time with your families and just take a break and i mean it's not worth uh, working ourselves to to death like uh, we we are much more efficient if we can take a step back in terms of business or overall it's more of a backlog i would say like factories have been closed We have a great planning team to uh, to work through that. It's very challenging for them, but um, we work all together cross-functionally to make sure that things are keep moving. So in some areas, we have moved production from one country to the other, and um, we try to to pull dates in some deliveries or like we manage also the market's expectations. Um, I mean, it's the whole world is in the same situation, so we do our best to deliver uh, as fast as we can. And um, do you see some risk in the future uh, regarding tariffs? And are, do you think that uh, a lot of suppliers are going to relocate their production? Because it's a big, a big subject here in the US. It's a big subject also in sourcing, like uh, because yes, if you are if you are manufacturing in China, like uh, we we used to 
to manufacture like more than, I think it was 85% of our business in China, our target, and it's a public number. So uh, is really to balance, to make sure that we balance the risks, not only uh, between China and the US, but like we see tensions between China and India, and it's impacting also the supply chain because you have lots of components coming from China. Um, I mean, for textile, it's probably impacting as well because lots of uh, raw material are coming from uh, from China to uh, to be uh, done in uh, completed in in India. So it's how you balance and try to mitigate the risks overall. So it, I think overall it will hopefully like uh, make us more agile and flexible. Um, we can, I mean, we are working on that definitely to make our to build a, a more agile supply chain and being able to find. Uh, I don't know if tomorrow China closes again, fine, being able to produce this item elsewhere or some of the items elsewhere, moving yeah. things around. Yeah, It's not easy, but uh, I think that's that's the best plan you can have, trying to find ways to, uh, to compensate that. But the tariffs, we can't predict. We have some items already impacted by tariffs, and we are playing around as well with uh, a country of origins. But um, after it, it's beyond the tariffs, I think, when you see like the impact of COVID, you have to, to find ways to, to work differently anyway. Yeah, it's hard to predict because politicians can uh, change their mind uh, one day from the, the other, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's more and more unpredictable. Yeah. That makes it fun as well. But <laughs> And um, so I have a question about where do you see uh, yourself in a few years? I hope I will be on the on the beach in Thailand, sipping cocktails, definitely oh, yeah. in a few years. Yeah, I can I can see that. But um, beyond the joke, like uh, I would be happy. Like um, I mean, if I'm still in Hasbro and like uh, I'm, I'd be very happy for sure. If I say it, it means I'm happy, definitely. But um, I hope I can find a way also to share more. Actually, what I've learned during these last few years, like in sourcing and how to approach. Uh, uh, supply chain and sourcing in general and vendor management uh, in the way I see it as a, as a partnership, definitely. Yeah. I would, so. would be happy to, to do the, a bit more of that. would be happy to have you on, a, on another podcast in a, in a year or so. <laughs> that would sure. be cool. And uh, sure. look back at the, the 20, uh, 2020 uh, nightmarish year. Um, a global but... nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this is super exciting to see, uh, you know, how you organize uh, sourcing in your company and, um, and all the processes you've been in place to serve your organization. It's, uh, it's really inspiring. And, um, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. You're welcome. It's, uh, again, I'm super passionate about it. So uh, happy to share. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for inviting me. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye.